Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, one rental at a time. And I'm back with my good friend, Mr. Greg Dickerson. How you doing, sir? Doing great, Michael. How are you today? I'm doing well. So uh, this is a topic I've been waiting to talk to you about. Right. There's been uh, over the last year or so, there's been a lot of talk track around, hey, when is the Fed going to go negative? Can the Fed go negative? And obviously, they're talking about the Fed funds rate going negative. Right. Maybe they're talking about the 10 year, you know, breaking one percent. But I don't know about you. Uh, I think rates are already negative, at least uh, nominal rates are going to be negative, because, again, I think inflation's at five and people can borrow at three. And I don't know about your math, but my math says that's a negative 2% interest. So am I, am I thinking the right way or am I just out in left field? Well, it's probably double what you're thinking when you factor real inflation that we're seeing across the board. Some of it's transitory and it'll go away, but some of it's here to stay. And I think right now, I mean, we're probably 8, eight to 10% inflation is what we're probably seeing from a mm. realized standpoint wow. of what's out there right now. And you just mentioned it in rents, you know, going up 20, 30% across the board, but everywhere you go from a retail standpoint to food to, I mean, even core services like, you know, housekeepers, auto detailers, just everything you can imagine across the board is going up because we're in this environment where their costs are going up, utilities, mm -hmm. you know, whole nine yards, really where you see it the most is in retail and grocery uh, food. Yeah, no, no question. Yeah, it's, um, and again, I've been doing a lot of research on inflation because we've had two inflationary cycles in the United States. Uh, the, obviously, the 1970, which is the most recent, we actually averaged 8% for a decade. Can you believe that? 8% inflation for a decade. I had no idea until I started doing my research. We also had an inflationary cycle in the 40s. It was averaged 6% for a decade. So a couple of things that I've taken from this, and I'm still diving in because I'm trying to figure out what cycle we're in. Right now, I'm leaning towards the 70s, but you know, it, it actually could be a blend of both, perhaps. But uh, it, once inflation grabs hold, it's very sticky. It's not transitory. Um, I've gone back and looked at the history and I can't find an environment where we had kind of a one or two year blip. It's very sticky because once you start pulling wages up, that ripples through the entire supply chain. And um, yeah, it's, it, it's pretty prevalent. Yeah. Inflation is the biggest tax that the Fed has placed on uh, the economy in the history of you know, really the history of our economy. And, and we're continuing there because we're having inflation at the asset level. A lot of people aren't looking at that. So when you measure inflation at the consumer level, you can, you can factor in rents, but with interest rates so low, the appreciation housing is inflationary, but the cost isn't because your payments have actually gone down, even though you're paying exponentially more. Exactly. That will come home to roost when the markets change and values go down. And uh, they always do. They're never up forever unless interest rates stay low forever. And right now, the Fed is still buying mortgage, uh, mortgage bonds. And, you know, how does that affect the housing market? Well, the originators are able to sell that to the Fed at very low rates. Once the Fed's no longer buying, it goes out to the traditional markets, life companies, endowments, pension funds. Mm -hmm. That's who normally buys mortgages when the, when the Fed's not buying them. Right. You know, Freddie and Fannie, which are, you know, basically government subsidized, um, you know, mortgage agents, agencies that buy them, but they have to make a profit. The Fed doesn't. Yeah. So they keep rates low, just like when they buy treasuries, they're keeping those rates low. So what does that do? That pushes all that capital out there into risk assets, stocks, um, you know, ETFs, cryptos, um, you know, all those other, you know, speculative areas that the, the cash has to go to, because if you buy bonds, if you, you know, put it in the bank, you're losing money. Yeah. So I want to talk about that, right? Because again, this is, again, I think we have negative rates today. 
I, and again, what my research shows is inflation, once, once it grabs hold, and I would argue it's grabbing hold right now, it sticks with us for a long time. I would argue a decade's a long time. Um, and then we go back to, you know, people like, um, why am I drawing? Jamie Dimon, right? Who's probably got a trillion dollars in cash on his balance sheet now at JP Morgan. Why is he doing that? It's yeah, just, he's not the only one. And, you know, he knows that this this is going to end at some point. And, you know, Powell was very careful, very calculated about what he said Friday, you know, in mm-hmm. Jackson Hole. And, you know, what they're doing is the reverse. Normally you raise rates first, then you cut back your, your uh, asset purchases. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're doing it the other way around because he doesn't want to tank the market because he knows as soon as they sent the signal, you know, week week and a half ago, we had a little drawdown in the market. And as soon as he said, we got to taper now. Mm-hmm. And then when it came out that, wait a minute, we're not going to taper now. We're going <laughs> to taper by the end of the year, but he's not saying exactly when. So now all the market said, hey, we have one more quarter of let's get it on, you know, before... <laughs> The Fed spike, starts tapering. Spike the punch. And then bowl. they said, by the way, we're not going to raise rates till 2023 now. So oh, now they're pushing yeah. that out yeah. a year in conversation with you know reducing the taper. I gotta tell you, say, I don't I don't believe that for one second. I believe well, we and will they have... didn't say what does that mean when yeah. you say reduce your tapers? How does that happen? So yeah. they haven't indicated how they're gonna draw down, when they're gonna start, and they're saying rates are gonna remain low until 2023. So Wall Street's loving it. They're like, man, you know, it's just party on risk assets. Let's keep on keeping on until, until they can't ignore it anymore. So I think we're still in wait and see, you know, you still don't know what the employment picture looks like and you Mm -hmm. won't know till after Labor Day until the, you know, the benefits expire, then you're going to see the real picture. You know, do people go back to work? How long are they able to sustain maybe that hangover goes into the first part of October because they had a little bit of reserves they were able to build up with, you know, the different things. They're actually making more, a lot of people, you know, with unemployment than they would at a job. So they might've been able to build up a little cushion. Mm -hmm. Most people are probably just going to go back to work because they have to. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, the pandemic, where are we at with Delta? What's the real impact on the economy Mm -hmm. right now? We're not shutting down. Businesses haven't, you know, people are still going out. They're still going to events. They're still doing things. So, we're still coming back. And that's what's really interesting to me. The numbers are good. Income, yeah. earnings, you know, across the board, minus a few things. Yeah, retail, have been, strong. Retail, yeah, gap, earnings have express. Been really good. Yeah. So what are they looking at? I don't know. You know what I mean? What I don't they, know, man. <laughs> is there something they don't know that we're not seeing internally that they're saying, wait a minute, you know, things aren't as good as they are looking, you know, across yeah. the board right now. Here's a question for you. I, I didn't come prepared to ask this, but I actually did research on Fed presidents the other day. When I say the name Paul Volcker, what do you think of? You know, I think that was before my time potentially, but Volcker, I know there's Volcker rules and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm really not so sure. Paul, yeah, so Paul Volcker generally gets credit uh, for breaking the back of inflation. He's the guy that took the funds rates to 13 and a half or whatever it was at the peak, right? Because he had enough. So that's what, again, I know Paul Volcker because I studied economics in college and the Volcker rule and all of that. But generally speaking, when you say the name Paul Volcker to people our age and above, they go, he's the guy that broke inflation. So I was looking at that this weekend. I'm going, okay, if that's what he did, and I think we're in the 70s or 40s, I want to go look at the Fed presidents before Volcker. These guys, I, I had no idea who they were, right? The Paul Volcker was the last guy I knew. So I, I, I got their names right here. So there was a guy right before Paul Volcker named William Miller. William Miller was only a Fed uh, 
Fed president for one year, a little bit over one year, uh, under Jimmy Carter. And what he is best known for is he was not a Wall Street guy. He was a business owner. He was a CEO of some company. But what Paul Miller, or no, William Miller focused on was jobs, not inflation. He thought inflation, uh, what did he say? Not focus on combating inflation, but rather promoting economic growth, even if it results in inflation. So he was the guy that was like pumping up the bubble, right? He's like, I'm not worried about inflation. I'm going to worry about jobs. And I listened to Powell's Jackson Hole, and he seems to be jobs, jobs, jobs. I'm going to ignore inflation, jobs, jobs, jobs. So again, kind of, again, I still think late 70s, right? William Miller, again, people can go look him up. He was only a president for a year. So the guy before him, his name was Arthur Burns. I had no idea. He was a Fed president for eight years. He is, you know, we've heard of Great Depression, Great Recession. He is credited with creating the Great Inflation. It's a term I had never heard. But apparently he believed in easy money. He believed in easy money policy. And he, um, and they worked, and in his environment, they tried to combat it. They tried to combat inflation with wage intervention and price controls. Didn't work out well. So again, to me, Powell is exhibiting behavior that has been tried before, William Miller and Arthur Burns. It doesn't end well. So to me, yeah. I'm like, hmm. Throw a little Greenspan in there, mix them all up, and you just get Jay Powell. Boom, Powell. Damn. So again, I think we're repeating the sins of the 70s. Again, we have a Fed president who seems to be ignoring inflation. Because you have to make a choice. Am I worried about inflation? Like, Historically speaking, they worry about inflation at 2%, then job, then full employment was their word, right? Full employment. Now, uh, since last year, they flipped it. Now full employment first. And again, you can't, you can't focus on two rabbits, right? You got to focus on one or you starve. I think he's repeating the mistakes. And what this means is Powell's going to blow up this bubble. It's going to keep inflation running very hot for a while. And ultimately, there's going to be the next Paul Boker who's going to have to come in and break this at some point in the future. At least that's that's a fear I have from you know days of research. So I don't know what that is. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to me and fascinating. And, and the big difference I've noticed is in the narrative of Wall Street. And you know when you go from record highs in all markets every quarter yeah. to every month to every week to every day not, without not a significant correction or drawdown, you know, even the bullest of bulls on Wall Street are going, this is not good. You, yeah. you know, I mean, they're like, stop. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, you know, you know, Buffett's rule, I, Buffett rule is 200% now, right? It's like, we got to have a correction. Uh, we have more leverage in the system, uh, more um, margin in the system. Retail is fully invested. Uh, the party's going to end at some point. It's going to be ugly. Yeah, so... Um... It's interesting because what is going on is it's unlimited funding for irrational behavior with zero consequences. So what Wall Street knows is we could do all of this speculation. And when it does come crashing down, we're not going to have to pay for it. Yeah. The Fed's going to jump in. They're going to you know take care of everything, clean up all the mess, the government alone, all the money that any bank, any company, anybody needs to keep you know things from happening because of the shock back in 2008 and nine, that was Wall Street and the banks conditioning the federal government. And, you know, Powell is a Wall Street guy. 
Um, you know, and a lot of those guys that were at the Fed and at Treasury are now at, at Wall Street. So it's just this whole, you know, club going on to keep the party going. And there will be no consequences when it does come crashing down because, you know, they're going to keep on doing what they're doing. The real question is, how does, I guess we're going to talk about, about that in the next segment. Mm-hmm. You know, what are the real effects of that on the dollar, on the economy, you know, things like that. And how long can you sustain? So, yeah, we're going to do that it's, next. It's really interesting. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, again, I'm, I'm full on bullish until, you know, monetary policy changes and interest rate policy changes. Until that changes, there's no, you can't fight the Fed. You can't no. short the markets. You can't go yeah. bearish until, you know, something changes there. So it's really fascinating to me that the environment we're in. Yeah, I think we could have ne- real negative rates for several years going forward. It's, and I'll uh, give you the and I'll give you an example. Everybody who's watching can understand because this is two thousand eight and nine. Okay, you're in real estate. Imagine having a lender to give you all the money you need at cl- almost zero interest. Forget two percent. I'm talking point one, point yeah, five. Yeah. Non recourse. You can pay whatever you want, do whatever you want. And you know that if you go bust, you're not going to have any consequences. Yeah. What would just you take be the doing house right now. In the middle, chips in the middle. How much would you pay for a property? Michael, here's $100 million at half a percent, non-recourse. You never have to pay it back if you fail. Mm-hmm. Go spend it and spend it by the end of the month. Oh, How much gone. would you pay for your assets at that oh, point? I would buy everything available. I'd, I'd right. pay over asking. How would you classify those assets on your balance sheet? Maybe assets. right? Well, I guess, I guess let me put it this way. So how would you value those ass- oh. assets on your balance sheet? Uh, How uh, would you mark that from an accounting standpoint? Because we have what's called purchase price. Yeah, at purchase. Right. Yeah. What if the market corrects? How are you going to value that? What is your balance sheet going to look like? It's still going to look like what you paid, right? Yeah. You're not marking the market. Yeah, you're not. It it stays at this number. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the equivalent of what's going on um, out there, and you know, it gets even deeper and worse. Yeah. When you yeah. start looking at rating agencies and how these oh. are rated and you know, things like that. So yeah. that's, go, that's what's go watch the big short. It's all true at different, different levels. Pretty crazy. Oh, that was really fun. Yeah. So I think we're going to have negative rates for a while. It's um, years, years. I think inflation's a problem. I think inflation's growing. I mean, go back to the rent conversation, wages. I mean, all this, it, it does frighten me a little bit. So uh, we're going to talk about an important topic here in number three. But before we so do, Greg, Pal's gonna... got two outcomes. He's going to either go down as the greatest, you know, Fed chair of all time, or the one that caused the biggest collapse of all time. One of those two things is going to happen. Yeah. He's going to be. Oh, what's his name again? What's this first guy? He's going to be hey, the Pal. next Arthur Burns. He created the Great Inflation. He's going to. He's going to be the Great Inflation too, in my opinion. Oh, we'll the see. greatest asset bubble in the history of the oh, world. Gigantic. So how yeah. can people find you, Greg? GregDickerson.com. Very cool. Thanks, buddy.